William Henley was a brilliant British poet, but he lived a short and sickly life. At the age of 12, he developed tuberculosis of the bone in his left leg. At the age of 20, he endured a partial amputation of that left leg. At the age of 53, he succumbed to the illness of tuberculosis. During that short life, he wrote many articles and poems and other publications. His most famous writing, however, was a poem called Invictus. The last two lines of that poem have reverberated down through history ever since he wrote them. And these two lines are written in this fashion. Here's what he wrote. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Those two lines have come down through history and many people have used them as kind of the motto of their lives. And in fact, in 1941, Winston Churchill, during the battle between Britain and Germany, used those two lines in a speech to his nation to encourage them to continue the fight and resistance against their enemy. Those two lines have come down through history to even affect our day and age. And it affects the spirit of our age. So that people in our era use it in this fashion. They say, I can live as I please. I will live as I please. I will seek meaning in my life through personal satisfaction. And I will resist all outside interference and attempts to control my life. The problem is that those people who pursue self-satisfaction seldom take a look behind the scenes to see the consequences that sometimes are hidden to our eyes that come as a result of seeking and pursuing self-satisfaction. We find that this type of life actually began recorded in the Bible. We find it recorded in the very first book of the Bible, in fact, in the book of Genesis. We find there in Genesis chapter 3, the entrance of Satan, who took on the form of a serpent. And he spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden in Eden and tempted them to follow his pattern of life. He chose a pattern in life while one of the heavenly beings before creation and he said, I will be like the Most High God. I will take that role in that position. And God defeated him and cast him out of the glories of heaven. He came down to earth in the form of a serpent and tempted Adam and Eve in the garden to follow his life and to resist and deny God's control over their lives. Thus Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the fruit that God had forbidden them to eat. And when they sinned, they began to reap the consequences of their own pursuit of self-satisfaction. They sinned against God, and God judged them. And he removed them from the garden, and he had told them that in the day that you eat of the fruit that I forbid you to eat, in that day, dying, you will die. And certainly, the signs of death began to consume the lives of Adam and Eve. And soon their lives were filled with sin and the consequences of their self-pursuit. It doesn't just stop there with Adam and Eve. That's just the beginning, in a sense. Because the children that they 
that came as a consequence of their union together as husband and wife, they inherited that same sinful nature that came upon them when they sinned against God. And that sinful nature began to consume those people, those children of Adam and Eve, and they began to live lives just like this. Pursuit of self-satisfaction. We find that the first two children of Adam and Eve were Cain and Abel. And we find that Cain became a murderer in a jealous rage against his brother Abel. And God judged Cain for his murderous act against Abel and punished him and Cain left the neighborhood of Adam and Eve and the rest of the family. Thus there was no line, no line for the promised one that God had promised in the garden. He said the seed of the woman will come and will crush the serpent. Well, Cain was not that line. He was a murderer. Abel was murdered by Cain. So God brought a substitute. He brought another one. He brought Seth. And in Genesis chapter 5, we begin to read about the new line of Seth, the line through which ultimately would come the serpent crusher, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came through the line of Seth. And in Genesis chapter 5, we begin to read about God's provision in Seth. Seth had a son by the name of Enosh. That son came and was born of Seth and his wife. And it, scriptures tell us in Genesis chapter 5 that at the birth of Enosh, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. They began to realize their inabilities and they could no longer overcome the, the wickedness and the evil within their hearts that drove them to sin and disobedience. And so they began to call upon the name of the Lord. Genesis chapter 5 records many generations of children after Seth. And in every instance it talks about death. And they died. And they died. And they died. Consequence of sin. The result of their disobedience inherited from Adam and Eve. We find one exception that occurs in Genesis chapter 5, and that is the appearance of a well-known Bible character by the name of Enoch. Enoch came and he was born as one of the offspring of Seth. He wasn't a direct, just down the line a ways. And we read an interesting description about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. I'll read them for you because they're unusual. Here's what it says, And Enoch walked with God. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. In other words, in the line of all of the deaths of all of the offspring of Seth, there's this one little exception, and that's Enoch. And it said, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. God translated him up into his presence. He did not see the physical death that was the normal result of people in those days, and even in our day today, a death. Dying you will die, God said to Adam and Eve. 
So here we have this character, Enoch, in the midst of all of the scenes of those who are living disobedient lives, lives of self-pursuit and self-satisfaction. And we see this one shining example, this one character who walked with God, who walked in victory over his sinful nature within him. And he walked with God in such an extent that God said, I'm going to bring you home. God brought him home so that he did not see the normal physical death. We find an interesting conclusion in Genesis chapter 6. We read about the ultimate consequences of all of the generations of people after Seth and his line and the line of Cain and their lives of sin and how they were pursuing after self-satisfaction doing their own thing, living the way they pleased, having no regard whatsoever for God. And we read a very sad story in Exodus chapter 6, and we find it in verse number 5. And here's the description of the era in which Enoch lived. And here's what it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In the original language where it talks about their thoughts and the intents of their heart was only evil continually, what that literally means is everything they thought of they did. There was no preventing the thoughts. The, the thoughts of their minds were evil continually and they fulfilled them. They pursued them until they accomplished them. Oh, what a time of great wickedness. In fact, we read farther on in Genesis chapter 6 that God ultimately destroyed all of the earth and all the peoples of the earth because he only found one righteous man, Noah. We'll reserve that story for another time. But during the era of Enoch, he's the only one that we know that lived a righteous life. And the end result and the consequences of all of the pursuit of self-satisfaction by the people in his era ended up in wickedness. Such vile wickedness and depravity and corruption and debauchery that God finally decided he needed to punish them all and destroy everyone on the earth except Noah and his family. Now you might ask yourself a logical question. Why would God move upon someone to write this story? and to record it in scripture and preserve it over the centuries. Why would he do that? And who wrote it? And who was the audience of this first writing of this account in Genesis chapter 5 and the first part of Genesis chapter 6? Well, the writer was Moses. God inspired Moses to write this account. And he wrote it during the time when the children of Israel progressed from Egypt towards the promised land during their 40 years in the wilderness. He wrote it for the children of Israel. They were going through some very difficult temptations and times during that wilderness journey. And God had some explicit lessons that he wanted to teach them. And we read about the condition of the children of Israel during that wilderness time in the other four books that Moses wrote, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And when we read those chapters 
in those books, we read about the vile wickedness of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They viewed themselves in the same way that the people did during Enoch's time, pursuit of self-satisfaction. In fact, many times they wanted to return back to Egypt where they had forgotten that they lived a terrible life as slaves in Egypt. But that was what they wanted. I want my thing. I want my food. I want my comfort. Pursuing their own self-satisfaction. And during those times in the wilderness, they also rejected God and denied his authority over their lives. They didn't want to submit to him and to his plan and purpose for them. They rejected God's provision for them in a leader, Moses, and his brother Aaron. They didn't want to follow them, and there were frequent uprisings against them to try and replace Moses and Aaron. I can be just as good a leader as Moses. Why not me? Consumed. Consumed. I will be the captain of my life. I will do it the way I want to do it. I won't have anyone telling me what to do. The morality of my life, I will determine on what I want to establish as the rule and practice of my life and what will give meaning for me. That describes the children of Israel in the wilderness. It also describes the people in Genesis chapter 5. And God had some lessons for them to learn in the wilderness. And he used this account of Enoch and his era to use it to teach them and to reveal some things about the Israelites and about himself, God, that he wanted them to know. And so there is an application from this story to the children of Israel during the time of the wilderness. And by using this story, God would point out to them their true condition, their sinfulness, their attitude towards themselves, that they were kind of know-it-all-inskies. <laughs> I will do what I want to do in the way I want to do it. I will seek pleasure for myself, and that will provide and give meaning my life and their lives became lives of wickedness depravity debauchery available and liable to the judgment of God because of their sin the story of Enoch also reveals to us something about God and it also reveals to us the people in Israel that band of people in the wilderness, their attitude towards God as well. Just like the people in Genesis chapter 5. They rejected God. They refused to listen to him. They did not want his path and pattern for their lives. They wanted to do things their way. They didn't want any outside influence upon them or outside power telling them and dictating to them what to do and how to live. They wanted to live according to their own desires and pursued them unto their death and judgment at God's hand. So there is a similarity between the children of Israel in the wilderness and the people living in the time of Enoch described in Genesis chapter 5 and the first few verses of Genesis chapter 6. And God inspired Moses to write that account about Enoch and all of his posterity and those who preceded him 
and their wickedness and their sinfulness and their reaction and attitude towards God. He wanted the children of Israel in the wilderness to have that story as a rebuke to them, as an example, as a lesson to them to drive them towards God. Well, now you might say, well, what's that got to do with me? What correlation of any does that have to do for my life? Does it have any application to me? I can see where there was application between Genesis 5 and the children of Israel in the wilderness, but what about me? That was centuries ago. Remember I said at the beginning of our little video today that I said that the statements and the lines of the poem from Invictus written by William Henley describe the spirit of our age. The spirit of our age is kind of encapsulated in those two lines. Let me read them for you again. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That describes our day today and the attitude of multitudes of people. Perhaps even you. Perhaps even you. So that the similarities between our day today and the children of Israel in the wilderness and the people in the time of Enoch as described in Genesis chapter 5 mean that that story that occurred centuries ago has application for our day as well. Because the attitude of the people described in that day defines the attitude of multitudes in our day today. I will pursue my own personal desires and self-satisfaction. The meaning that I somehow arrive at in life will come when I accomplish my own personal desires. Nobody outside will tell me what to do. And that leads to a rejection of God and a refusal to listen to him, to even accept him and his existence and to suppress him in unrighteousness even though he has made himself known to all of us we live just like the children of Israel did in the wilderness just like those people lived in depravity and debauchery and wickedness in Genesis chapter 5 that story has relevance to our day today it has application to your life and to my life today as well. For from it, we can get some examples. We get an example of what not to do. We can see how the children of Israel ended up, in the judgments that God brought against them for their attitude in life and their pursuit of self-satisfaction and their rejection of God. And we saw what God did in Genesis chapter 6 because of the lives of way they lived in Genesis chapter 5, total depravity and debauchery. In fact, it's really interesting that we find recorded in the New Testament in Jude chapter 14, Jude chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, we read about a message that Enoch gave during his time period and during his lifetime. I would like to read for you what that message was because it has application for us today as well. We can learn from that time of 
Enoch that we've seen in Genesis chapter 5. Let me read these verses from Jude, the second to last book in the New Testament, just before the book of Revelation. And he tells us what Enoch preached during his lifetime. Here's what it says. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch preached in his day to the people of his era, and he told them and warned them, One day there's coming the Lord. The Lord is coming, and he's going to come with multitudes and thousands of his saints, and he's going to bring judgment upon people like you who have lived ungodly lives. Turn from your sin. That's the message of Enoch to his day in the midst of their ungodliness. And that Lord of whom Enoch spoke is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read how God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom God promised in Genesis chapter 3, when he said he would send a serpent crusher who would defeat and destroy and crush the enemy serpent, the devil. And we find throughout the Old Testament, and we see even here in Genesis chapter 5, that early on identification of that serpent crusher, that one who would come to defeat the enemy, the devil, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one whom God sent because of his love for people like you and me. He sent him to be born of a virgin named Mary. He lived a sinless, perfect life did so that he might fulfill all of the law on behalf of sinners like you and me and meet all of God's demands as a substitute not because he needed salvation but because people like you and I need salvation we find no possibility of overcoming the wickedness in our lives and sin defeats us constantly God knew that and he made a provision in his son that son lived a sinless life and ultimately they slew him on a cross. And when he died on the cross, that death finalized the fulfillment of the life of Christ, lived as a substitute on behalf of people like you and me. For when he died on that cross, he paid the penalty that your sin and my sin deserves. God accepted the sacrifice of his son as a substitutionary death on behalf of people like you and me. Three days after hanging on that cross in death, the Lord Jesus rose from the grave, victorious over sin and death, and ultimately ascended up into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God the Father. And one day, as Enoch prophesied centuries ago, 
that same Lord will come with ten thousands of his saints to bring judgment upon the earth. Where will you be? Will you be with the saints that come with Christ, or will you be those upon whom he brings judgment? Therefore, I ask a question. Therefore, how will you respond? How should you and I respond? Well, first of all, you might be a follower of Christ. You might be one that the scriptures describe as a saint. Even though we live in days when we don't think we're living a very saintly life, we are called saints because we are children of God. We've trusted upon Christ, God's provision for sinners like us. And we have found new life in Christ. And we are Christ followers. But you know, sometimes the world gets very strong in its temptations. And it's possible that you have yielded to the temptation of the spirit of our age, which is to live life the way you want to live it. Pursuing your own self-satisfaction. I call upon you as a fellow child of God to repent. Repent of that sin. That is disobedience. That is not the way God designed you to live as his child. Turn and trust and faith and renewal on Christ and accept his forgiveness, which he gives when we repent. And begin to walk with the Lord like Enoch walked with the Lord. It's possible that you're watching this video and you are not a Christ follower have no interest in following Christ. You have followed the example and the pattern of the children of Israel in the wilderness and you followed the pattern of people as recorded in Genesis chapter 5 pursuit of your own self-satisfaction rejecting, refusing to follow and obey God. I would remind you of the warning Enoch gave in his day, and that warning stands for us today as well. There is coming a day when the Lord of glory will come, and he will come from his seat at the right hand of the Father in the glorious heavens, and he will come and he will bring judgment upon the earth, and he will bring judgment upon the ungodly. And right now, if he were to come today, that would include as part of the ungodly because you are living a life totally consumed upon yourself and your own personal satisfactions and have rejected God and refused to submit to him and to his plan and purpose for your life. I pray that today the Holy Spirit will come to you as he did to me many years ago as a young child and give to you new life like he gave to me many years ago. A new birth. The Bible calls it being born again. I pray that the Holy Spirit will come to you and give you that new birth today. A new birth that will enable you to repent of your sin, to turn from it. That's what the word repent means, to turn from. Turn from one direction and go the other direction. So turn from your sin and turn in faith towards Christ. 
trusting upon his death, his life, his death, his resurrection, on your behalf as your substitute, trusting him that that death on the cross that he died a couple of centuries ago, that he died on behalf of you, and that you can find new life and faith and trust in Christ. I pray that the Spirit of God will come to you today and give you that kind of new birth, which will enable you to turn in repentance from your sin and turn in faith and trust upon Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, giving you new life, spiritual life, uniting you with the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I pray that the Spirit of God will come to you today and give to you that new life. I welcome you to visit my website where you'll find other videos similar to this and other articles that I have written in Bible studies. That website address is masterministries, all one word, masterministries.com. And if you'd like to communicate with me by email, my email address is hill underscore tom at att.net. You can find it in the description of this video if you need to have further reference. Thank you for joining me today.